The Mysterious Benedict Society is a Disney Plus YA adventure series based on the novels of Trenton Lee Stewart about four children, a boarding school, an eccentric benefactor, and a plot to destroy the world. The development team includes a season lineup from the co-creator of Flight of the Concords, the writing team behind Ride Along, Ride Along 2, and The Invitation, showrunners responsible for the Smallville, Shadowhunters, No Ordinary Family. All in all, I suspect that regardless of what you thought of the show, it's going to be polished. Just like The Mandalorian, it will consist of eight episodes. The first two, A Bunch of Smart Orphans and Carrying a Bird, are the topics that we're going to be talking about. You're listening to today's episode. I've done some research. You've watched the episode. So without further ado, let's start the show. choose one book from your childhood that you'd like to see adapted into this sort of series what would it be i'd probably say something like artemis fowl artemis fowl i have some bad news it was made into a movie (laughs) rather recently i understand i mean like when they actually give some type of allegiance to the novel and not just make something for the flat-out purpose of money and if you could pick which streaming site you would want it to be on uh, probably Disney Plus because I feel like they could be able to make something. Plus, they have the rights for it, I believe. You've been watching a lot of Disney Plus stuff. Yeah. You've watched The Mandalorian, all the Marvel stuff, High School Musical, The Mighty Ducks. Uh, now this. Do you feel like your allegiance to Netflix is starting to drift? No, I think that Netflix still comes up with like better stuff. Like for example, one that stars a kid is Sweet Tooth. I think that Sweet Tooth is better than a lot of those uh, other TV shows that you just. So named. why wouldn't you want Artemis Fowl on Netflix then? Well, because I think that Disney would have a better, like, idea of what they should do with it. You know, Disney is the one who produced the movie, though, right? Yeah, but I put that more on the people that were kind of working on this film. First off, there was a ton of reshoots that they did. They didn't really follow the book that closely, and I think that if they were to get the right people who really do have a passion for the series or whatever, they would be able to make a good TV So you're, you're willing to give Disney another chance with the Artemis Fowl yeah. series than to just hand it over to, like, Netflix yeah. or HBO? Yeah, no, yeah, I think that they could do a good job with it, but yeah. especially because it's a I mean, i agree i'd like to see artemis fowl put out i i read it when i was like in sixth grade it was a good the first book was great at least right um and then also with uh aragon that'd be <laughs> great to see actually improved upon the movie uh, somewhere like hbo or red rising on crackle that'd be cool to see like on amazon on prime i was gonna say amazon prime but yeah oh yeah amazon prime i didn't even think about them so you were pretty unfamiliar when it came to this book series. You hadn't heard of it before, right? Right, yeah. The only time I knew it was a book series is when I saw the intro for this show. Okay, so Mysterious Benedict Society, it came out in 2007, as I said in the intro, written by Trenton Lee Stewart. Other books that came out back then also have been adapted. You've got 13 Reasons Why, you got City of Bones, Twilight Eclipse, that's the third one yeah, if anybody's yeah. keeping track, Deathly Hollows, Lemonade Mouth, And then, ironically, the series of unfortunate events, because we're going to talk about that pretty soon, came out in 2006, and this book was released five months later. Okay, yeah, because this is very closely related to kind of a series of unfortunate events. In fact, it kind of reminds me the way it was shot and how it's supposed to be very quirky and it's very colorful also. I mean, the set design is one thing that can be similar, but I'm talking about the plot. The clever kids, the um, mysterious, like, older figure that sort of, like, Lemony Snicket, but, like, Mr. Benedict. Uh, the They're element all... of them being orphans yeah. and always being put in danger and being trusted to uh, save the world. But at the same time, a lot of the adults are kind of dum-dums. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a lot of similarities in with this. Also, Tony Hale. <laughs> and Tony Hale, yeah. He was also in a series of unfortunate events. And that leads me to the question... 
Tony Hale, Kristen Schaal, Ryan Hurst. One of those is not like the other. Yeah, Ryan Hurst, and he probably is the best part about this whole entire show. Ryan Hurst plays Milligan. Actually, before we start talking about the <laughs> different, the who plays who, okay. let's do a brief synopsis of the first episode's plot. Yeah. So you got a bunch of clever kids or whatever. Yeah, What's so it about? A lot of kids are trying to get into this Boatwright Academy because it's a very acclaimed school, and it's being offered in the newspaper that if these students take these tests, whoever gets the highest scores will uh, get a scholarship for it. Mm-hmm. Reminds so, me of like the imitation game where they're looking for, um, it's not Natalie Portman, it's the other one, the one who looks Kira like... Kira Knightley? Yeah, Kira Knightley for, for, for her to be tested, so they get all these women to come in and test for... for a, certain thing yeah right so we learn about uh, some kids but the main one is rainy and he is someone who is smart and his mother figure miss paramol is telling him to take this test because she feels like he will be able to get this scholarship easy he's someone who is like learning to speak a different language he's read a ton of different books and when he goes to take the test uh there are questions like which one would you save an elephant or a llama and he is quite he's answering them like i would save the elephant to break the llama's fall uh, fall and there's also weird ones like Fish are unnerving, true or false, and the answer is true. And it's all Tony Hale, like, narration. And by the very end of the test, um, it's being kind of conducted by Kristen Schaal. She's a very strict instructor. It's like no talking, no no nothing. Basically, he is the only person to pass the test. So he gets to go on to the second stage. And this is to the anger of a lot of other students who are like, hey, what about us? But he's the only one who's truly been answering all the questions correctly. And it's at this point that I realized that Rainey is a lot like young Sheldon. He's not as smug, but he's able to like look at things very wisely. And he's able to like answer and see things in a different way than a lot of other students are able to. Hence the reason he was able to move on to the second stage. Do you think Sheldon could have played Benedict, though? Not as well as Tony Hale did, but we'll get to that because it happens later on in the episode. You meet him so, later on in yeah, the Yeah, you meet him So later you hear on. his voice before you actually meet him. Right, and and, that, and when I saw Tony Hale in the credits, I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to be able to see him. But when I just heard the narration, I was like, did they just hire him to... So in the first me? episode, he's not there at all? No, he, he is at the very end. But oh, very end. You hear his narration first, and I was just wondering if that was his only role in the whole show. Understood. So then when he goes He to... also plays Forky. Who's Forky? Forky's the Toy Story. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that happened in the fourth one. But Rhonda, we meet, she's another student um, when he's going to be taking this second test, and it's going to be a lot more strict. He's only able to take one pencil along with it, and Rhonda's other so student. So he's taking it with one other person? No, it's a couple other people. Are all like, these people people who passed the yeah, first round? Yeah, people who passed the first round. So and they come back, this is like the second round of interviews. Round. Yeah, it's incredibly strict. You're not able to talk at all. Like, even if you groan, you are out. Uh, it's funny, because Christian Shaw says you're executed, and she means excuse. Um, for any student who is found doing anything wrong Uh, but Rhonda is a student who's just kind of flipping her one pencil outside and then it lands in a crate and a lot of people are just walking by and not really helping her except Rainy and Rainy comes up to her and she's freaking out because she that's her only pencil that she's going to be able to use so Rainy comes up with the idea two pencils well you're only allowed to bring one so then he breaks it in two and is like you know what here you go you can take the pencil because there's supposed to be a pencil sharpener in there she's very thankful and it's like you know I have the answers for this so I can like kind of position my paper so that you can see the answers and Rainy is like no I'm going to be taking this completely honestly and then she's like okay you know it sucks for you so then they start taking the actual test and uh and Rhonda completes the test within like i'd say five minutes they have like an hour to do so and she's the first when you one. said that she has the answers was she cheating yeah she was cheating she, like, okay. she, and she even tries to pass uh rainy the, uh, like an answer sheet just like a paper with all the answers on it, and he's like no and he kicks it like kicks it under her desk uh-huh so 
he's starting to realize when he's taking the test that a lot of the questions have answers in them for later questions. So it would be like he's... It's like Jeopardy. If you start at the top of the board and work your way down, they actually have clues in the questions for later questions. Right, and he's realizing that every single question is like this. So he's able to get all the questions correctly without having to use uh, Rhonda's gene sheet. And then when he uh, turns in again, much like the first time, in this room, Christian uh, Strahl says, okay, I'm going to read the list of students who passed, and it's only his name, Rainey. And then everyone else is like, what? And just freaking out, and they, they leave. Especially Rhonda, I'd assume, right? Well, actually, Rhonda, that was the part that tricked me a little bit, because she was like, you're an odd egg, but that's a compliment. And then she leaves. And I was like, okay, well, that that's strange. She so was, was she part feelings. of the test, maybe? Yeah, and she was. Okay, <laughs> so she's like one of the people at the school who's already like been accepted? Well, no, she's actually works for Mr. Benedict. We learned that later on. She's not even a kid at all. Which Wait, is what? How do you, yeah. mean, how do you yeah. not be a kid? I'll, I'll, I'll get to that. But, but right. the important part is that we learned is that Sticky, who is another student who kind of completed the test and was able to get every single question correctly, comes into the same room that Rainy is in. And then we learn that Kate comes in. She's another student who carries a bucket around like the whole entire time. Mm -hmm. She's someone else who uh, completed the test. And then Krista and Dewey, they are two other people that come into the room with Rainy and they completed the test as well. They all also had to deal with Rhonda um, helping her by breaking off a pencil and giving it to her. So you learn that apparently it wasn't even fair to all of the other like students. It was just like very, very select few who were able to get all the questions right and who were able to help Rhonda because she did that. I so guess, if you'd helped Rhonda times. but you didn't get the questions right, then you would still yeah, not be I, I think you're, Yeah, you're still out there. Yeah, so Rhonda's played by Mame Yabuafo. She is at least in her 30s right yeah so did she not look like it or what no she looked like a kid but then when you see her later on in the episode i was wondering if they possibly switched actresses because she definitely looked older in that scene like oh. she had different hair so they were able to do the makeup pretty well in that scene and I, and at that point i was like you know what this is a show that's definitely trying to trick you a lot of the time um and that even becomes more resonant when in the next thing when you have these five people rainy sticky kate krista and dewey they have to cross this Path. What about Constance? Is Constance not there Constance yet? Constance not there yet. Okay. Um, they have to cross this path, and it's a ton of black and white squares, and they have to do so without setting foot on one of the squares. Uh, and so, and there's yellow blocks, like, situated throughout the room, but there's no way that any of the students are going to be able to get to them. I'm going to pause you right there, because yeah. we're in the middle of, like, another test, and I'm sure that it's going to weed some more people yeah. out. I've got a question for you. Trent Lee Stewart, who made the book series, uh, he originally only wanted there to be one book. But he's been influenced by a bunch of stories. I have a list of them here, and I'm curious if you're going to guess which one doesn't fit. Okay. All right. Uh, you got The Hobbit. You have Chronicles of Narnia, A Wrinkle in Time, Fight Club, and Watership Down. And one of these he wasn't inspired by? Yes, one of them he was not inspired by. A Wrinkle in Time. Nope, it was Fight Club. I just oh, threw that I one was, in there. I was, wondering if no was just some, I was wondering if it was just some far off thing where he's like, well, actually, you know. Yeah, and he was specifically the scene in The Hobbit where Gollum and Bilbo have that riddle off. Yeah, that makes sense. He was like, I want to turn that into an entire book. And so yeah, that's, that's, basically that's basically what this, what this is. is. Yeah. And uh, also we see Milligan, and Milligan is the person that Ryan Hurst plays. He's a very strange man. He has a hat, and he just looks very weird. But like I said, he's probably the best part of the show because he's cracking a lot of jokes, and it What's seems like purpose? he was almost made for the role. He's someone who basically is very loyal to uh, Benedict. To Benedict. So he's yeah. like his number two? Yeah. In fact, but we, you know the name of, the, of Kristen Schaal? No, I don't. Number two? Number two, yeah. So that yeah. makes me think it's more like Umbrella Academy. Yeah, no, it's, it's all these <laughs> different things that you can kind of uh, draw comparisons to. But 
it was really funny because Krista, who again is someone who passed the test, comes in there and she sees what she has to do, the black and white squares and the yellow squares, and she's like, you know what? Since this is a test, I'm going to say no. I cannot do this, and, and you're just going to have to deal with it because, you know, I was able to pass all these other tests, and that's when Mulligan kind of pops it through the wall and it's like, you can go home now, and she's like, what? And then he's like, So she chose, chose the wrong time to like stand up for herself. so smug in thinking that this was just one of those things where it was a, a trick in and of a trick. Mm-hmm. And then it just turned out, no, she had to go home and she runs out of the room crying. And then we follow her character for the rest of the yes, series, right? <laughs> we just follow her home. She goes to McDonald's. She like pigs out a little bit because no, she's wait. upset. And uh, At this point, though, all four other students are able to pass it. Dewey comes out with some Spider-Man stuff. He's able to jump to the yellow squares. And there's only like three throughout this huge was room. it actually referred to as spider-man no i i, I referred to okay because spider-man is uh trenton lee stewart's favorite uh comic yeah well this one so. yeah he's just able to literally jump throughout the whole entire thing that was probably the funniest one we get sticky who he's crawling but he's not using any of his legs at all he's he's putting them up in the air and then Kate, he's crawling but he's not using any of his two legs yes yeah, legs two makes legs. it sound like he has like, like he's like literally just legs. using <laughs> his arms at this point all right kate has her bucket and she has rope in the bucket and she like tight tight walks across the so every single one of these four are supposed to have um a specific trait that matches their personality the reason why sticky it's sticky washington actually but the reason why sticky is named that is because no matter if it's even just a small little detail he'll retain it yeah like Like, a mnemonic device he has his good memory right but what about the other ones what about rainy uh rainy it's the fact that he's able to kind of read situations very well for example he's the only one that walks so he's very across, perceptive right he's he's only he's the only one that walks across that uh stage because he realizes that the squares aren't actually squares the rectangles because so he's like off. sean from um psych right when and, he, and this he's, is he's picking up on stuff and then he pretends to be and this is very like, detail oriented because again it says no you can't walk on any of the squares but when he realizes that they're a little off and they're actually rectangles he just walks across the entire path Got with it. uh kate her one thing is that it, she has a bucket and whatever that bucket has in it she's able to like it's able to help her wait so everybody else is like a mental thing and her she, yeah. she's it's just she her bucket. she's like linus along everywhere yeah she's with, like the blanket with the almost. blanket yeah yeah they exactly um, and then, are you like, enjoying the series by this point? Like by this point, yeah, because I was like, okay, they're actually coming in with some very interesting stuff. And even if I can predict somewhat where those riddles are going to go, it's interesting seeing how every single student interacts with it. Yeah, Polygon compared it to Spy Kids, called it compelling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it could very, very much be that. And then Milligan, <laughs> great, he takes, he takes the students through this sewer, and the students are like, this is supposed to be like such an upbeat school type thing, and like a scholarship. Why are we having to go through a sewer? And it's actually a secret passageway. Just mean it clean, right? Yeah, like right, it's not, exactly. We're not supposed to be doing this grungy no, work, exactly. And okay. so when they, it's actually a secret passageway to get to Benedict's huge mansion. Sounds very much like right. something you would see in Lemony Snicket's right. series and there, of unfortunate events. Yeah. And so there's one more uh, kind of thing they have to do. All the students go into a separate place in the mansion, and what they have to do is they have to try and ring the bell. And the first three students to ring the bell are going to be able to get in. The fourth one isn't going to be able to. And this one, I was able to predict what it was going to be right off the bat. I think they did this in the Joe Schmo show when they were messing with him. And then they, like, didn't actually kick him out at the end. It was the beginning of the key thing. Right, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so for trying to find the keys. No, but here, it was the fact that Dewey rang the bell first. He even hurt Sticky a little bit. But then Sticky, Rainy, and Kate all rang the bell at the same time. And it was the first three that we're supposed to be able to, not just the first one. Who gets eliminated? Dewey, because he rang the bell only with one person himself. And he had to ring it all at the same time with two other people. Got it. So I thought it was going to be because he 
got sticky hurt. Like he hurt someone. Well, you definitely didn't want it him. It was to like pass. a moral. Thing. Yeah, right. And so, by so this Dewey's point, out. Dewey's out. We never see him again. Nope. And we see Rainy, Sticky, and Kate, and Good. they are able to finally meet Benedict. And then we get just like Willy Wonka. Yeah, and then we get Constance, the young kid, and who in the book is like three years old. Yeah, she or she was definitely the youngest, and uh, you know she's she's playing the annoying character. My problem with her is the fact that you can have a really annoying character, but you have to have some type of charm to it. And it's not that a young actress's fault. It's just the fact that there's nothing really charming about her. She's a very very childish, like incredibly so. So like Ed. Right, from, yeah. Uh, from it was right, but again, with like Ed in Cowboy Bebop, yeah, Cowboy Bebop, very she's supposed to be very funny and just very outlandish. Here, it's just Constance really mean, and she's supposed to be playing the very like intellectually like a toddler? young kid. Yeah, like that type of mean. Where yeah, she screams and it's stuff. Like she's playing, she's making a poetry thing, and it's just insulting all of them. Oh, okay. So by the end, they meet Benedict, and that's when I learned that Benedict was Tony Hale. And basically, they have to try and stop these brain waves because the media is apparently controlling people's minds. This is the incredible subliminal- <laughs> two. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah, right. With subliminal messages. But it's called something, right? Because this is what I was reading. The emergency. The emergency. So yeah. they have to stop the emergency from happening. From being broadcasted. Four kids from all over the place, orphans. That Mr. Benedict has adopted, <laughs> yeah. basically, to take care of the emergency. Right, and that's kind of where it reminded me of uh, Chronicles of Narnia. So is that where the first episode ends? Yeah, because then the alarms go off, and that's where the first episode ends. And, okay, so let's just jump right into the second episode. Uh, what can you tell me about carrying a bird? Why is it titled that? That refers to a story that Benedict tells Rainy, um, because Rainy, Sticky, and Kate want to get rid of Constance. They don't. So they're see... all just hanging out with Benedict at this point, right? They, is yeah. that the entirety of the second no, episode? No, no. The second episode deals with the fact that after this place has been intruded and um, Milligan is able to take out basically all the intruders that came to take Violently? Benedict away. Yeah, like he's he's smashing their faces against walls and everything, and then they all have to leave. Okay. Um basically Benedict is like yeah they're coming after me because I'm the one that knows the truth a little bit um so what we're going to do is we have a place where we think that the person who is behind the emergency is living at this is a place called Harbor Island and it's harboring a ton of students like the that are very very intellectual so you guys should be able to fit in just fine wait so this whole school like thing was just a sham they don't actually go to the school that they get the scholarship for. No, yeah, for. yeah. He tells them like that it doesn't exist, and they're mad about that. But he's like, "You're going. You guys are going Did to the be parents able to find out." The world. Or no, they're all orphans, or, right? All yeah. Orphans, yeah. <laughs> okay. um, and so then he's sending them to this. Yeah, he's sending them to Harbor Island to kind of be secret agents for yeah, him. Yeah, infiltrating the school and trying to find out who the grandmaster is because they feel like the grandmaster is the person behind the emergency. Okay. Um, and so how quickly are they at the school? Like snap. It's like 30 minutes or so when they actually start crossing the island because they leave the house that uh, Benedict and all of his crew were saying that because, again, it was being infiltrated by people who were trying to kidnap him. Mm-hmm. So Milligan ends up building this huge, building like this sizable house in the forest. And uh, it's in this place where they're going to be able to keep um, doing Morse code with the kids who are across the sea uh, by flashlight. So. <laughs> It's, Again, it's, it's, it's a series of unfortunate events yeah. that this was right up their alley. Yeah. Right. So basically, to make a long story short, the kids, they go to school. They're able to keep Morse code. They're like, we're, we're getting closer and closer to figuring out who the Grandmaster is. And by the very Do you have a favorite character at this point? Probably Rainy. He, he out of the four kids, yeah. yeah. And uh, by the very end, we see that the Grandmaster is actually, it must be Benedict's uh, evil twin. Yes. Because he he comes out of the room after Rainy and Kate are able to answer, uh, like, questions correctly. And he's like, "You, we should keep eyes on them. Like, it just as a fun type thing, but really. 
believe there's a maliciousness behind it. And that's kind of where the second episode ends because uh, Kristen Shaw and Benedict and Milligan, they're all still in that one place that Milligan has built the house for uh, keeping in contact with Rhonda? the kids. What's Rhonda doing? Rhonda is also there. He's, she's helping Benedict as well. Okay, so L.D. Curtin is who you meet at the very end. That's yeah. the that's the headmaster. I don't, think we ever, I don't think we learned his name yet, but yeah. Now that you've seen both, what would you give it? Overall, I'd probably give this series a six. Well, there aren't a lot of reviews on it. It has a 7.8 on IMDb. However, the second episode is in the nines. So Really? Wow. That, yeah. that surprised me. And from the reviews I read, it seems like it fluctuated from being like people compelling mm-hmm. and for kids and uh wes Ander- wes anderson ish yeah definitely I, I can see uh like but the, the guardian said gave it three stars out of five and said it could have been more so maybe that's where you're falling i think so like uh, I, some other people who had a problem with it were actually the book readers not because of the source material but because they changed some of the act like for instance, Mr. Benedict is supposed to be much older. He's supposed to be mm. more of a grandfather figure. But they were very happy to get Tony Hale, who uh, ironically is also going to be in a ton of other stuff. But but another series that's coming out on a streaming platform, The Rugrats, that's returning. He's going he's to be playing be like dad. Chucky's dad or something. <laughs> yeah, so he's going to be in a lot. And so they were very happy to get him, Kristen Shaw. And Ryan Hurst was just a com- when I saw his name in the credits, I was very surprised because I didn't expect him to be. So in you saw his like name this. in the credits before you right. were surprised by yeah. him showing up. Yeah, and, cool. and I. So I, if it, I just wanted to ask, yeah. do you remember the last time you watched something where a character or situation was portrayed differently in the book than the the movie or TV show you watched it in, so that you like it took you out of it? Surprisingly enough, probably Artemis Fowl when we saw the movie. Yeah, Artemis Fowl was a good ago. one. The Martian, for me, I remember when, even though Matt Damon really wanted to make it because of the book, mm-hmm. it still took its time cutting out a lot of, like, the stuff that I really liked about it. I'm surprised to hear that, because when I was at the movie theater, I saw some people walking in. They must have walked out halfway through or go to the bathroom or something. When no, they, they, were left, walking... they left no, halfway when, through. because When they, they were walking they back like in, it. I heard the guy say, <laughs> you know, I've never seen a film that follows the book this well, so... Yeah, I mean, it followed it in some sense, but it definitely took its liberties with, with taking stuff out and kind of... Rushing through things. I, I want to say... I'd listen to that one over again. But Aragon as well, you mentioned that one. Yeah, right. So. And, and I want to say that I don't think that this show was awful. I think that if you're watching this with your kids, you, you're Would you watch it, it um, before Series of Unfortunate Events, or would you enjoy that one better? Uh, I probably would watch Series of Unfortunate Events first, but it's also a little I've, bit more seen, adult. I've seen more of a Series of Unfortunate Events. Like, Do, the, Are the kids more season. endearing? or? Yeah, and I think that they also are able to kind of plan through situations better like here it just seems like it's almost going at kids pace which at times is very fast and then also very slow yeah as i think this sold three million copies as far as books are concerned and and uh, new york times it was a bestseller but i still think that the lemony lemony snicket series did better overall so and is more popular yeah than and, this I, ever and was. I, I do think that the kids in that are just not not acting wise better but they're more interesting to listen to the other two comparisons I didn't actually hear mention of, but I just thought they would fit pretty mm-hmm. well, is Miss Peregrine's uh, Home for Peculiar Children and His Dark Materials. Both of those felt like there were certain parts that you were talking about while you're in your description that kind of borrowed from it. The strictness of some of the adult characters, definitely in His Dark Materials. Kind of the idea of the the kid being the uh, the person who has to save everything in both of those. And then... Uh, the Peregrine thing, I, I see the comparisons to the His Dark Materials out of the like, clips and episodes that I've seen. I, I wouldn't say that. It's like this show. <laughs> I'm not I'm not making as direct a comparison as I would be with the Lemony Snicket stuff. Mm-hmm. 
But uh, yeah, so overall, you'd want people to watch the first episode or not? Yeah, would you I, I, I it think or not? if you're really, really into the first episode, you're probably gonna like the series because I imagine it, it stays kind of that same. But yeah, at least watch the first episode, see if it piques your interest, and then if it does, go on. All right, well, that'll be it for this episode. We'll see you on the next one. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.